It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome everybody back to the Clear Out Podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. This is your host, Matt Brooks. I am joined by fellow Nets Daily writer, uh, somebody that I have uh, just a lot of fun talking about the Nets and the NBA with, Alex Sturm. Alec, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much for having me on this. I know this has been in the works for a while, and I'm so happy we can finally hop on and talk a little Nets. Yeah, uh, this was, <laughs> like many things this summer, it took a little bit to get off the ground, but you know what? It got there, and I've done like 40 podcasts in like seven days, so I promise to everybody that's listening, there's going to be a consistent schedule. It just is me getting a consistent schedule, which is the new the new hurdle for me, but um, I'm yeah, I'm excited to do this with you. First, I just want to say a couple of kind words about you. You are somebody that I've known for a couple of years uh, really, uh, I, I don't remember when it happened, but I, I think I'm storing, I'm telling the story correctly. You reached out to me and said you wanted to get into sports writing stuff. I said, look, just send me something. Am I telling this story right so far? Mostly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My memory's yeah, really bad. By the way, uh, anybody that's, because this is a new podcast, I have a really bad memory. So this is great that I have people that can like tell me if I'm getting stories right. Um, you reached out to me. I said, look, send me something. What you sent me was great. And and really, since then, I've just seen you kind of grow from somebody that was originally aggregating and aggregating every podcast that he can find to somebody that I truly believe will be aggregated soon. So uh, I just wanted to say that about you. And I think um, it's just exciting. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for this season. Um, and it's just I, I think you're going to have a really good season this year. So I wanted to say that first off, because um you know, I just, I, I think that is something that people should know about you. A, that you're really young. B, that you have people that do believe in you quite a bit. Um, but getting off that topic a little bit, I, I wanted to get into what was a really weird preseason game. I'm just, just yeah. kind of bizarre. Um, <laughs> we kind of talked about it before we started recording. Um, but it, it was just like, you know, it, it, they none of the stars were playing. It's the first game that these guys have played really since, you know, for a lot of these guys, it's their first NBA game ever. And it was completely different than really any other Nets game that we've ever watched. I'm sure we're going to get into the details of it without going too much in over-analysis. But who stuck out to you the most? Um, well, first off, I want to say thank you for some very kind words, especially from someone that I've relied on and leaned on for years now. Um I'm going to go with Paul Millsap first offhand, especially in that first half, third quarter, before we really got into the garbage time. Millsap was popping out, as he did in Denver, for hitting threes. He was – the Nets run a, ran a lot of offense out of the high post with the bigs, and he was doing a great job facilitating. <laughs> there were some handoff issues, but not with him. He was he was doing those screens. He was doing the dribble handoff, the DHOs, and – and he was able to take advantage of small guys in the post. That was one thing that the Nets didn't rely on too much last year. And we know that their big offseason acquisitions this year was we didn't have a lot of size last year. And that's what we're bringing in. And I think Millsap's a good example of that. Yeah, I mean, well, first off, like they ran so many handoffs. They ran Chicago. Like this is what we were talking about before we got on. This is this is what you're dealing with in this podcast. We're going to go really nitty gritty like within the first three minutes. But they ran so much Chicago action, which if you're listening and you don't know what that is, it sounds more complicated than it is. It's really just a pin down screen into a handoff. So a guy comes off that screen that faces the baseline and flows into a handoff with another player. And they were just basically doing that with Millsap as the initiator. And it was really interesting to watch. I have never really seen them, maybe aside from a couple of the games where the big three were sitting and they were playing Blake Griffin, where they just ran their entire offense through their big men and really just Millsap like the entire game because everything else they ran was an utter disaster. I mean, 
it was, you know, it was like Javon Carter and Bruce Brown running pick and roll. I thought Bruce had some moments, but really the most effective offense they got was out of anything that Millsap did. And I, I actually thought defensively, like he looked kind of what I saw watching his film in Denver, where it's like, he just still has really quick hands, knows where to be. He's going to get beat. Like, it's just, it's inevitable. Like there are going to be plays where he gets beat. Um, and, and, you know, I don't think we got a big enough sample of him and LaMarcus and that's just a different scheme in itself, but it, it, you know, I just, I like it. I like what he brings. There's just a sense of like, he knows exactly what to do when he's out there. Um, and that's kind of my feel coming off that game. Yeah. I mean, first play of the game, uh, you, you might not have caught it. We'll get to that later. Oh, good. AD, Anthony Davis gets the ball on the block on the, at the, at the elbow, my bad. And just takes it at Millsap, one, two, and one, easy. And I, I opened my notes. I'm like, okay, Paul Millsap, yeah. little old, missing a little loud early. And then we get on, and we're like halfway through the first quarter. And weak side, he he um he, he gets like a low block, good hands. Another, and then he rotates, and then he's able to stick with with um with with uh Jordan, like not not in the post, but kind of in that like dunker spot area. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, he's not. He's not a super switchy Aaron Gordon type of like wing defender, but Paul Millsap's still going to give you something. And he's a really, really smart player who's going to make up for, I mean, his like physical deficiencies on the defensive end. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the point. Like you bring up being in the dunker spot, being there at the right moments. Like if he's going to rotate, he's not going to rotate too early to like show help if somebody yep. like looks like yep. they're about to get free. Like he just, his timing is there. And like in general, I think with this podcast and just with anything that I'm doing preseason related, I don't want to extrapolate too much from these games because I have made that mistake before. I'm sure you have too. I'm sure you remember the Torian yeah. Prince. Oh my God, this is the best trade that Sean Marks has ever made after like two preseason games, which I totally <laughs> fell victim to. I was like, wow, this guy is like killing it. He's a great three and D player. And then we kind of saw what Torian Prince is. I don't want to do that, but I think we have just enough of a, I mean, obviously Paul Millsap's a veteran, but even just what we saw last year, even in the playoffs when everybody was calling him washed, I think there's enough there for me to be like, this guy's going to come in for like 12 to 15 minutes and he's going to be productive and he's going to really help. Like I think on both sides of the ball, help because he knows where to be and that was the biggest thing about the Nets last year they don't have stoppers really other than Bruce Brown um in in those later rounds of the playoffs but they just have guys that all are like we know exactly where to be in this moment and just sort of how to disrupt your flow and if you're not polished like the Bucks were in the second round for most of the series offensively we're going to take advantage of that because we're going to know where to be yeah I think and Paul Millsap, you can say he's kind of another example of these former star players coming to Brooklyn. And he's assimilated into this connector role for lots of years now, next to Jokic, next to Jamal Murray in Denver. He's very used to this. But someone who knows how to keep the ball moving where the ball needs to be and just understands side-to-side -side positioning on the court. I mean, you can't have too many of those kinds of players on your team, especially if they're not giving, especially if they're not huge liabilities on the other end. And when you're talking about like putting things in context, I think that's something we've experienced in a large part these past few months, watching summer league for one. Yeah. Like, okay, how much are these guys like really going to be able to show any of this? Right. And, and as much as you hate it, cause you're, you're so excited that NBA basketball is back. You have to limit yourself with the preseason and be like, yeah, let's, let's look at these guys for what they're doing, which, which, which what can transfer not, not David Duke running 30 pick and rolls. Yeah, right. I I think like that, I mean, we'll we'll talk about Cam Thomas in a bit. For me, my number one pick in that is like Javon Carter, who I just, mm -hmm. yep. I think people are like already out on him. And I just, I just, all I'm going to ask you to do is think about the position that Javon Carter was put in yesterday, where it's like, you're going to take up the ball or it's going to be DeAndre Bembry taking up the ball and, and sort of initiating a handoff. But they were putting Javon Carter in, pick and roll like it must have been it felt like 30 possessions that they made him run pick and roll and it's like when Javon Carter comes off the screen it's he he just isn't that guy like he's not a guy that's a high level floor reader he's not a guy that's gonna pressure the defense from three levels like he's a better as an off-ball player you saw it, he hit that corner three 
um, I, I think off the catch, or maybe it was an offensive rebound. Um, but it was like, that's kind of the role. And I think those are the guys I think it's really important to think about. I want to touch on one thing with Millsap because I thought it was interesting. Obviously, we're not going to get the sample we thought we uh, we got yesterday with him just being the entire offense. But I do think there will be more opportunity for him to assert himself in that way where he's at the top of the key and making decisions for the entire offense than he was in, in Denver just because that was, you know, really that was Jokic's role. Jokic yeah. is making the decisions as the big man. I think if you play Millsap in a lineup, maybe with no James Harden, but with, you know, Kyrie, KD, or the both of them, I really like that. I want him initiating things with those guys, you know, getting into those dribble handoffs or the, the Chicago sets that I brought up a second ago. I really like that idea. And that was, I think, maybe more than anything other than Cam Thomas, who we're going to get into. I think that was my number one takeaway is I was like, wait, there's something here and I really want to see this. I want to see that specific action with those guys. For sure. If you if, if you go down the roster and you look at who their ball handlers are, and I don't mean this as like, oh, the Nets are weak on ball handling. This is a weakness. I'm yeah. not trying to prod for weaknesses here. But look, we've got James Harden, m- m- extraordinaire with the ball, can create yep. for anyone, anywhere, anytime. But after that, you've got Kyrie, who really shined off ball last year, for being honest. Yeah, I, I don't think – I'm going to cut you off. I, I think, in general, he's better as a playmaker than the average fan gives him credit. I think he's a little overrated on Nets Twitter in terms of what he is as a facilitator. I, I'll I'll say that. I Kyrie. think Kyrie personally. Sure, sure. I I think he he misses reads, and the thing is, is like because he turns it into offense for himself. But he's not a guy that's like setting up your entire offense. Sorry, exactly. go ahead. So you've got Millsap at the top, and if Harden's off the floor, you've got Kyrie running around playing a lot more too last year. They brought in Patty Mills, who is a point guard. But running around screens, mostly an off-ball player. You got into this into your video a little bit. And then Javon Carter, who we just talked about. Yeah. Not not a pick and roll ball handler, not a lead, not a lead guy. He's a three so, and yeah. D guy. That's what he is. <laughs> He's a three and D guy. That term has kind of been like whisked away from the discourse in the in the past year or two. Yeah. We're bringing it back for Javon Carter. Yeah, we have to. <laughs> we you got it. It's unfair to call him anything else, I think, right now. It was yesterday I felt bad for Javon. Um, I'm sorry, I keep getting you off. <laughs> no, 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 go. Okay. Um, you want to get to Cam? We could. I want to touch on a few more people because I, I want to okay. do an extended Cam Thomas discourse. Um, who else stood out to me? I guess there's LaMarcus, which I didn't get. Okay, this is actually, let me rant on this. The blackout on NBA TV was so abysmal. I was so frustrated. They said they were going to show the game. And then they do it. I, I'm frantically looking on the Yes app. I can't figure out my login information. I'm just being an old man on the computer, basically, not knowing what I'm doing. And I think I missed the entire LaMarcus um, stint. So I'm going to count on you here. What what did LaMarcus look like out there? The LaMarcus stint, um, it was a lot of the same from last year. Um, it was a little less spacing from the three and more spacing from the mid-range. But like... It was one preseason game. He took like three shots from both yeah. from area. I'm not. That's not a takeaway. He can still shoot threes. Also, who's spacing the floor around him? <laughs> oh, dude, DeAndre Bembry yeah. <laughs> and Siko Dumboya are really bringing that star shooting. Um, love Siku. Uh, what else do I have here? Good verticality, which is something we saw from him last year in, albeit really small sample. Not not a, not a guy that's going to swat a bunch. But can get his hands up, I guess. It was DeAndre Jordan. I don't know. Yeah. Besides that, there was some weak side stuff, but nothing I'd really, nothing I'd really put down as definite. So it's, it was just what we saw last year. Like, it, but Most there wasn't like. I mean, again, it, it's preseason, so I don't want to like rip away any like huge evaluations or anything. He also played 15 minutes after not playing since I guess April, March, whenever that was. Um, but March. no, I mean, I I think that's good to hear. Um, all right. Uh, all right, let's do, let's do the Cam Thomas thing. I, I'm like, try, I want to save it at the end, but I think, I think we should we, just get oh, into it. We can do Claxton. Yes. Thank you for reminding me. Let's do, let's talk about Clax. Who, all right. I'll, I'll say this about Clax. Not the best situation for him as somebody who's already not a great screener and is apparently so far in the very limited sample that we've seen, not made a ton of progression there. Um, we'll see. It's really early. Again, this is probably all going to be meaningless 
in two games. But it wasn't a great situation for him. It's Javon Carter running pick and roll. It's Bruce Brown running pick and roll, who, God bless his heart, when he gets the ball, there's no waiting for the screen to go. To come up, he just <laughs> like just rushes to the rim. Doesn't matter, you know. Bruce going straight to the rim, so it was not a great situation for him there. The only thing that I had an issue with with Clax was the conditioning. Look, it's a contract year. It's the first preseason game. If you want to work your way into shape, fine. But you have a really good opportunity here. It's a very loaded team with a lot of bigs. And this team likes to be very veteran heavy. I think the the head coach has made that very clear that they want to be a veteran team. And I'm just sort of like, why can't you do more than three possessions without being winded? And I I, I have been the biggest optimist on on Clax. I I think you and me both. But I also want to be fair and be like, why is that a thing? I don't know if you came away with that, but that's what I came away with. Yeah, and... I don't want to pile on, and we don't know why exactly, but he didn't play Summer League this year either. Yeah. And we both know he was supposed to play Summer League, and then he, he didn't. That, that was reported out there, um, Brian Lewis. Yeah. But we we don't know what he was doing, and it's totally fine. First game of preseason, you're a little rusty. Not only did the Nets, to touch on what you said, not only did the Nets really like playing veterans, they really like playing bigs who can shoot too. We know... John Marks likes bigs who can shoot. Nick Claxton, look, he's been working with Kyle Corbett for two months. Still can't shoot. It's okay. Yeah. But and 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 yeah, we're really big, we're really high on him. He has a lot of potential. You see it. He played some drop coverage yesterday, which we had was we weird seen him last year. Yeah. And it went well because he's just so damn long. But there's a lot of potential here. He's got to be able to realize it. Yeah, well, which is in, I thought it was interesting that he played drop because they, I mean, they were so switch heavy. It would be, it would be so weird if they switched the the scheme this year. I would be would not be a huge fan of that. I don't think. Yeah, it's like we've learned. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, I just I don't know. Like the thing is with him, it's like this is your first full off season. Like you should come in and be like, this is what you're gonna see from Nicholas Claxton this year. You're gonna forget about you know, all of these older players on the roster, I'm going to assert myself in a way that Cam Thomas did and really was, like, impressive. And it kind of brought me back to, do you remember when Jared Allen played Summer League in, I think it was his third year, and he just 19. looked yeah. horrible? And everybody was like, whoa, like, this this isn't good. And, and mind you, we should have probably realized, like, wait, Summer League is, you know, it's not exactly favorable to rim running bigs. Like, that's not mm-hmm. something that really favors that type of a player but it was still like I just don't know where that leap is and now we kind of know what Jared looks like he's a hundred million dollar player really good player but I I got that kind you know same kind of feeling where I'm like man I just like this feels like a big year for you and I it's not a great it did not leave like a good taste in my mouth to, to kick off the year I got nothing to add Nick we're rooting for you us too we're really rooting for you Make yeah I have a lot. Of, I have a lot of faith in him, but I also I want to be fair on this podcast and not like you yeah. know favor oh. certain players over others. Um, all right, let's do Cam Thomas, who I just mentioned. I'm sure that's why everybody is going to be clicking on this. He had 21 points, seven of 14 shooting. He continues to shoot the ball a lot and actually shoot it really well. Um, I I got to tell you, like I I I did not watch a, a ton of the Nets summer league. Um, I was working on a couple different projects at that point, but. I, uh, it was really tough to deny what what was out there today. Um, and I, I want to get your thoughts before we get into kind of like a deeper discussion about him and where he fits in. Um, I watched a lot of that summer league and this was, this was more of the same. This was Cam Thomas getting the ball, dribbling one to three times, and then putting the ball in the basket after doing something that is ridiculously impressive. Yeah. I, this might be a hot take. He has not played an NBA game yet. I think he can make shots where the level of difficulty, we'll say fourth highest on the roster. And I think you know who the, who the other three guys are. He's, he hits star shots. Like, he's got... He, he's, he hits star shots. He does. It's There's no two ways around it. He he hits shots that he shouldn't be taking. Not that he shouldn't be taking. Like, when, when that first play of the game, his first shot, AD gets the poke, he's like... Uh, he is, he got, he's got his heel on the three-point line. I'm sorry, Nets fans, for saying that. And he takes two dribbles in, and it's like he's totally off balance, and it just it flies right in. Yeah. 
in post game that that was the shot that got him going. There's a baseline sidestep. There's there's an around Rajon Rondo. He he's got the whole bag. He's he's bag Twitter. He's real Hooper. He's got it all. He does. And like, I mean, for me that I, what I noticed, like other than the fact that it's like he still can hit things off, you know, hit his shots off sidesteps, just kind of moving not just uh, north to south, but moving east west and all of that yeah. directional stuff. Um, I thought he looked a lot stronger. Like he's got, I mean, he's what, 19 years old and he's just got like an NBA body already. His shoulders are like NBA level shoulders and they're, he's only going to get bigger really. And it was like his legs too. I was like, I just feel like there's, I don't know if he, maybe I just haven't been watching that closely, but I was like, this guy just looks stronger and bigger today. And that in combination with his ability to kind of maneuver in the ways that I mentioned, it's really, I mean, I got to tell you, like there was moments where I'm like, that is a little bit Devin Booker ish. I don't think, and let me make this clear. I don't know if he's going to get there. He has a long way to go as a decision maker. Devin Booker, what has helped him over the years is that he has become a great decision maker and took yet another leap last year next to Chris Paul. That is why Devin Booker is what he is. He's not just a great scorer. He's somebody that really can manipulate a defense. Cam Thomas is not there. That is why he is taking all of these shots that are so difficult because he is just not there yet as a player. He can make them. That's the exciting part. And I'm really curious to see what they do with him because it seems like He's really only going to play when the stars are sitting, which I understand in a way. I also, I want to, I want to see a play. Uh, Honestly, like if I really, I was thinking about it today. I was walking my dog. This is what I do when I'm alone. I just think about the the Nets 14th men. Um, I want to see him play. And I want to talk to you about like kind of who you want to see him play next to because I have my ideas, but I, I think it's I think it's worth seeing what you've got, right? Like, why not figure out if you have another score? You can never have too many, especially for a team that is, I mean, you know, it has guys that have dealt with injuries in the past. Yeah, you said a lot, and I want to touch on some of that earlier stuff about A, his strength, and B, kind of decision-making, and how that translates to what he needs to do on this Nets roster. The play that impressed me the most yesterday was the one I one I mentioned last time I was talking. He gets the ball on the wing. He fakes, sidestep, takes two dribbles in, and then you kind of Euros around Rajon Rondo, who tries to take a charge, and he avoids the charge. Yeah. And uses his strength, but doesn't doesn't hit Rondo. And he's able to not and he's able to read the reads he makes are when the defense is collapsing. He's not gonna run a pick and roll. Yeah. NBA offense but if he's attacking a closeout he's gonna get a good shot and that's when I'm like no one's gonna make you attack a closeout <laughs> like playing on this team with yep. these superstars yep because I don't care how good you are you're not gonna get any attention if you've got Kevin Durant on the other wing right and I Ooh. think like he like to make like I agree with that point and I think the thing with him is like he's really good at reading when he has one defender in front of him it's yes. like when there's multiple, like it's like he'll drive into help because he doesn't yeah. fully read everything on the floor. But when it's one defender, he's really good in that way. And that's why I'm interested with lineup optimization. I like him next to Kyrie, you know, Kyrie and KD. Sure. Fine. Um, I really want to see him next to Harden. I just, I really want to see that a, because I think it'll be really good for him to play next to somebody that kind of warps defenses and makes those decisions easier so that he really only has to go really and, and read one defender, the guy that's guarding him and probably helping off him on drives and, and stuff like that. Like if let's say Harden runs a pick and roll on one side of the floor and, and cams at the opposite wing, if Harden creates the advantage, kicks it to cam cam can either make the, the catch and shoot, or he can do the, you know, the drive and the closeout and the Euro step. Like I just like that for him when the offense is set up I think it'll be really good for him. And I think there's instant utilization for him there where I don't think you're going to get that same level of, of productivity from somebody, even like, I dare I say it, like Patty Mills. Like Patty Mills, will he'll Whoa. he'll he'll get a catch Whoa. and shoot. He'll run off the line. It'll be most likely a mid-range shot. He'll occasionally pressure the rim. But he doesn't have that like fully three-level game that I think Cam can have. And, and, and again, I'm not saying that Cam Thomas should be ahead of Patty Mills. Patty Mills is obviously a better player right now. 
and somebody that should be ahead of him in the rotation. But I think there is a way you can play all these guys. It's your bench. Doesn't matter. You can you can put three, you know, smaller guards next to each other, two smaller guards, and Harden, and I think you'll be just fine because you'll be scoring so much on one end. You're not really gonna get overwhelmed on the other by another team's bench unit. Um, I like what you said about Harden because when I go back to I go back to Summer League, and my big question for him is is he going to be attacking that one defender off a closeout or is he going to be bringing the ball up and attacking two and honestly not playing the smartest I know he can play. And when you're on the floor with James Harden, Hey dude, you don't get a choice. You're not bringing the ball up. Yeah. (laughs) That's not how it's working. Um, The second thing is he's totally a three level guy. His free throw drawing continues to impress me. Yeah. Maybe as much as his game. He, his free throw rate was elite in college he was a, he was going on the line elite rate in summer league seven attempts yesterday six of seven, and he can just shoot he can flat out shoot and that that translate to the strength it's easy yeah I mean that's that that was the thing that stuck out like you can kind of play the whole like oh he's just a he's a bucket getter he's a guy that you know and and, and I I found myself doing that a little bit even in summer league because it's like it's summer league like how much are you really supposed to believe. But I came away from that just being like, man, that free throw rate is absolutely ridiculous. I just, I would be shocked if that doesn't translate. That just, that is one of those things that tends to translate. Um, and it just, I, I think that's going to make him like an NBA player at the very least. I think he could be a really good all-star level player. Um, and that being a big part of his game. So yeah, I'm, I'm just curious. I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with it if they allow him to get minutes, but I, I would say, like, this is a really interesting year for us. There's a lot that we know about Steve Nash. We really don't know how he views young players, among many other things, but that's a big one for me is, like, how much is he going to let some of these young guys play? Is he going to let Kessler Edwards get some minutes if they need 3 and D help? Um, is 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 Cam Thomas going to get a good shot? Is, is Claxton going to play as much as I hope that he does? Um it's just, it's a very interesting trend that I think I'll be watching the entire season. For sure. I, if I had to predict, I don't think we see much of Kessler at all. I think James Johnson would get all those minutes and probably rightfully so. Yeah. I think, I think the question about whether or not a guy like Thomas plays gets super interesting when you think about the whole Nets, like their multi-year plan. Um, Sure. Yeah. KD is extended for for five years i think yeah five years i think till 26 maybe 20, yeah 2026 yeah i think it's 2026 is that right yeah because we're in 2020 now anyway there's there's gonna be there's they're gonna be like there's gonna be years ahead where they're gonna be in contention presumably but cam thomas isn't gonna be able to sit on the bench as the 12th guy every year He's yeah gonna need at some point and if he can contribute right now you've got to find him time in these kind of throwaway regular season games. I'm sorry, Adam Silver. The Nets, yeah. are good. they're, they're going to sit Kyrie. They're going to sit Harden. We'll see. They're going to sit Durant. They're going to miss games. Like, yeah. there's going to be an opportunity for this kid to shine. And I think it'd be a mistake if Nash, Marks, whoever, if that didn't happen, if he couldn't find the floor. Which I think will happen. I mean, look, I think if he looks really good in those games, I, I, I don't know why. I just have this belief that there is a way for him to carve out some minutes. Because we just we saw it in the playoffs this last year. Granted, not in your normal playoffs. But if there's an injury, or even if it's like your back's against the wall, and let's say you're the Suns, Chris Paul's not playing that well, campaign is like kind of... Un- and again, these are I, I, the Nets are just a better team next year than that Suns team. But campaign has kind of unwinded a little bit. Like, they really just needed one more guy that could kind of get that shot creation going so it wasn't just Devin Booker trying to put up 50 every night. Again, different teams, different situations. I, I don't know why you wouldn't want to see what you've got at the very least. And to, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's almost... Maybe maybe this is my comparison because of the difficult shot making, but it's almost kind of like what Mike James was. Yeah. Where the season pinch hitter i hope i'm using that term correctly i have and, no clue honestly i don't yeah. i have not watched baseball in like five years oh <laughs> <laughs> um, and he just comes in and it's an instant boost and maybe he fades a little bit in the playoffs but game three i think it was mike james was really bringing it with the deep balls yep and 
down the stretch, he was getting real minutes and making a real impact. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think like that, that's, that's the moments where I'm like, I just, it's the regular season. You have 82 games. You're going to have guys sitting, but even if you don't have guys sitting, I just want to see experimentation. And I think they did that last year. Like I didn't feel like there were too many stones unturned. If I really want to, you know, get into the nitty gritty should have they played Nick Claxton a little more in round one against the Celtics in these blowout games sure yeah like that was something I think they left on the table ultimately it really didn't matter but I I just I hope that's a thing this year and I get it it's a loaded rotation but I don't know I I think he's really interesting um uh, speaking of guys that I kind of we we're gonna have a big divide on on uh DeAndre Bembry who and we're and I want to get into the Long Island guys because I know you're you're going to do a great job covering them this year. And there's a couple guys I want to kind of close things out with. But um, I kind of like Bembry, man. I've liked him since they they made the signing. <laughs> he's just like he's just a ball of energy, and I can see that being valuable in the regular season where it's like you're playing the Detroit Pistons. Maybe you're sitting one or two of the stars, and you're like you don't really want to go in a losing streak. But you also don't really, you're playing the Pistons, you don't really care. And he, I just feel like he's the guy that's going to like help you keep, you know, kind of afloat in those games. Because I don't think, if you're a title team, get it, regular season doesn't matter. I still am not a huge fan of going on like little mini losing streaks as the title favorite. I think you should want to win every game that you can. Like, you know, just to keep the morale high in the locker room like the entire year. So I kind of like him for that reason. I think, I think my... Low, my being of low, that was bad, on Bembry. <laughs> of, on Bembry, because all the things you said are right about ball of energy. That's what the Nets need to stay afloat in these Wednesday games in Detroit. Yeah. I think I'm just really big on Bruce Brown. I'm going to be honest. I'm watching Bruce Brown. I'm seeing him hit these threes, which Bembry can't really do. Yeah. Or hit free throws, by the way. And I'm seeing Bruce Brown take the ball and put his head down like a football, like running back and just get into these guys. And like, and he did this a little bit last year, a little bit. And I think Bruce Brown can take the next step. He's on the qualifying offer. Yeah. He's really, he's really betting on himself this year. I'm really high on him. And I don't think DeAndre Bembry needs to be here because Bruce Brown is that awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny because it's like, there were like three guys that I think were kind of like, I was looking at as, I wonder if they could ever replace Bruce, and it's going to be something I watched throughout the year. Um, but I, it was I was looking at Javon Carter, uh, Dumboya, and, and Bembry. Granted, all different players. I'm sure you could all play them, and there's enough shooting on this team that you can get away with playing two of those guys together. But I still was just like, I wonder if any of those guys are going to jump him, because you just never know. Like, I, I don't know contextually. Yes, sure, Bra- you know Bruce looked great last year. It was also a team with not a ton of depth, a team that traded most of their depth and they kind of had to upshift everything. So I was just curious to be like, I wonder if we've kind of overrated some of these players just because there wasn't a ton of depth and that did not hold true at all. Like Bruce looked really, really good yesterday and was very much himself. And that will be something I continue to watch for, but I I just was impressed by him. Like I, I would love to see him get a big payday next summer um, and I, I just, yeah, I mean, the, the three-point shooting is really something to watch, as is the floater. I want to see if the floater stays as, as consistent as it was last year, because that is an interesting shot that I think he can make with a lot of consistency, but it isn't, you know, it's not your typical go-to weapon. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really fair point about Bruce. I'm like, over the offseason, I'm going through depth charts, and I'm like finagling with lineups, and I get sad. I'm like... Bruce Brown isn't going to play power forward anymore. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to play center anymore. And like in my little heart of hearts, that makes me sad. Oh yeah, because I I lived for that. The Golden State so, game last year. The Golden State game. Don't even get me started. <laughs> and as for the floater, I would expect it to stay. There were quotes from him about like him working on that since he was younger, and yeah. he just, and he just wasn't allowed to do it in Detroit. So I I hope it sticks around. Yeah, he was like it from like another step out like free throw line extended oh i know oh my god you can shoot jump shots you know (laughs) yeah i i honestly go for it like if if that's like it's just for entertainment sake i don't even care if it's a good shot or not that is the funkiest it's like it's the second coming of delo's super high arcing like unnecessarily high arcing floater 
that like functionally I don't even know how that's helpful. <laughs> like he made it work. Remember the underhanded one? Oh yeah. Oh my god. I so, would I would parade around my living room just doing that. <laughs> as a, as um, a young Brooklyn Grid fan. Yeah, I mean so I, I thought that was interesting. Those guys were all fun to watch. All right, let's get into the long... Uh, we'll close out with this. Um, the Long Island guys. That's what I'm going to label them. Uh, Kaycock... Am I saying his name right? I, I should have definitely figured that. Kaycock? Okay, Kaycock. Uh, I'm not sure. Edwards. David Duke Jr. Sharp. There's a bunch of guys um, that I think we could talk about. We can even talk about Seku. Uh, if, if we really wanted to, but um, we'll we'll start with which one of those guys kind of stuck out for you the most. Um, let's talk about Kessler Edwards. All right, I'm in. He's he's a lot of fun. He's he's got the floater, which we've already established as our two favorite shots. Oh yeah. And what impressed me most about him yesterday, or I wouldn't say most, it was the floater most, but second most was the verticality and the hustle just around the rim. He was grabbing. He was getting. He was fighting for boards. He was fighting for tips that that big, like, I think it was like a 28 to two or 20 to three run. They went in the fourth quarter. It's a lot of just him getting extra possessions for the Nets because I mean, it wasn't the best of rosters out there in the end. Yeah. So that they got offense because they got try after try after try. And that was partly him. It was partly sharp. Who I'm sure we'll get to next. He, his shot was not there last night. That's just, or yesterday, but that's okay. It was one preseason game. Yeah, um, the shot was interesting. I'll, I'll get into this a little bit. Felt like he was sped up. I don't know if he was, I mean, he's probably just nerves, but it's a really weird release. And I think oh, wow. that'll be his swing skill. Like if he can, another guy, I think like there's room for him to like play. I don't know how much it will be. I don't know if it'll be this year, but they don't really have, like I described him. I don't I think this was with Christian. Um, I kind of described him. And I don't know if this is an app comparison, but what the Nets wanted from Andre Robertson, where it's like, we want a big wing that can kind of like rotate weak side, uh, be a really good uh, low man or last line of uh, help defense, and and just sort of be that guy, and then also just keep the defense honest with a three-point shot, which obviously did not happen. Otherwise, we'd be continuing to talk about him, I think. Um, but I, I kind of look at him in like that way. I, I don't know if it's the best comparison, but I, I think in that role, and they don't have a guy that's really going to do that this year. Um, that was something I talked about with Mike Prado a lot was they just didn't really replenish the wing depth. Like it's kind of like KD and James Johnson, and then it's a big question mark kind of. <laughs> and yeah, because for, for one, you didn't prep me for Andre Roberson before we sat down. I'm sorry. So I don't know if I have much there, but... <laughs> You, it's a lot of power forwards who you're like, yeah, I guess you can slide this guy to the three. Yeah, I don't want to slide James Johnson to the three. No, not at all. I don't play DeAndre Bembry in the in the top ten lineup in the top ten rotation period. <laughs> yeah, like, maybe Castle Edwards is that three eventually. I'm I'm really interested to see what the coaches in Long Island can do with his shot. It's really funky. It was going in in college. It went in not not that much in summer league, but that's because that kind of environment isn't too good for a three and D player like him. Yeah, Cape, Adam Caporn, the Long Island Nets head coach, is known for being that kind of guru. There's a lot of good shooting coaches on that staff who I spoke to last weekend. I'm I'm excited to ask around about that and see how that develops. Yeah, I mean, I just you know I, I said it over summer, and I I don't know if I mean I agree with my take in that I think the role for him is actually sitting there for the taking even more there is there is necessarily a role to I mean I think Cam Thomas is a better player so I could see him getting into the rotation a lot quicker than Kessler Edwards but I think the need for what Kessler Edwards brings is probably a little bit higher and Nash made that pretty clear yesterday like uh yeah, we're recording on Monday today um but he you know he basically said like we have a bunch of guys that can score we just need the extra stuff from Cam um, and I, I just don't think he'd be saying that for somebody like Kessler Edwards, who is going to defend, he is going to rebound, he is going to attack a closeout, which I think that was the big thing I just didn't know was there. Like, if you run him off the line, is it the sweetest, most fluid handle? No. But he can get to a spot where he can get a shot up, and that's a lot better than a lot of guys that are, you know, that play the same type of role as him and, and would even be willing to try. Um. Yeah, we talked about... We've talked a lot about kind of 
how do you evaluate guys within the context of the team they're currently playing on, whether it's preseason, summer league. That also goes for the like for the G League for Long Island, where he'll be spending time. I think Edwards is gonna have to handle the ball a little bit more there. And he's gonna have to develop those skills out of necessity because if he wants to be an NBA player who sticks around, that's gotta be part of your arsenal. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I, you know, I just, uh, the, the, the growth of the shot will be something to watch. Speaking of shooting and just generally doing funky things, let's talk about Dayron Sharp, who, um, I'm so curious. I actually really have not ever talked to you about how you feel about Sharp. I don't, I mean, maybe we have a little bit, but I don't know if we've really gone into this. I, I will start here. I don't think he's going to be a rotation guy for I, the next season, next two seasons. I just think there's going to be some work to be done with what he brings to the table. But he did a lot of fun things. He did a lot of weird things out there. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious to hear what you think of him because I really don't think we've ever talked about him. Yeah, I know very initially we, neither of us were fans of the draft pick, exactly. Yeah. Because he was kind of thinking, okay, another big. We know you're going to bring in bigs this offseason. They did. So, I, I've, and I thought about this a lot in the past month or two or so. They have to be the Nets. They have to be really high on him in his long-term projections. They have to believe in this passing, which we saw. They have to believe in this shooting. I liked his free throws last night. I guess we saw that. They, they have, and they have to believe that this, that this defense, that this, all this rebounding and this hustle, this, this grit that he brings, yeah. can translate to like solid pick and roll defense, which he has not shown. Which is okay. He's a rookie. So you're right. He he is not an immediate fit on this roster. I do like all the funky things he brings and the not so funky things, like being a really good offensive rebounder and being a really good offensive rebounder. Yeah. Yeah, he's fun. Somebody co- compared him to Kyle O'Quinn, which I kind of like. I, I When I first watched him, the pick and roll defense like over the summer was so bad that I was like, is this just like, are we getting like an Enos Cantor level defender? I It's obviously way too early, but you just kind of like, it's it's hard not to watch somebody and like you're trying to learn a new player. You just immediately come up with an association. I feel like our mind just kind of does that to make sense of what we're watching. So for me, I you know I the the pick and roll defense I think is going to take a while. The tools on that side of the ball are not great for me. Just the verticality is kind of, eh. uh, but I think the things that he feels comfortable doing handling the ball like he had a nice little transition possession he also had a possession where he I think either lost the ball or he got a shot blocked like um there are still you know some some things that he's working through with that but I think for you personally that covers the Long Island Nets he's gonna be so fun to watch I I think he'll be the most fun player to watch maybe down there depending on what they do with Cam I I just think he's gonna be sensitive he's gonna be really fun for you to watch dude for sure and you you stole my thing about the ball handling like this is really intriguing stuff in these transition and these like one-handed like tip passes yeah he's got a mind for playmaking but if we're being honest here there's a difference between being a solid transition center especially like because he's not a stretch big yet. yeah he's a rim runner it's one thing to be a, a transition playmaker for a rim running center and to be a real ball handling big that can do it in the end at the NBA level. And I'm not asking him to be Jokic, but like Nick Claxton got the same hype about being like a, a big a big point guard. And yeah. he's not it. No. And and I he's no. not it at all. No, he's not. Yes. <laughs> is, is Nick Damon? Claxton Nick Claxton got the ball at the top of the key yesterday. Uh and I was I was telling uh, our our uh, coworker Chris Mulholland about this. He, Nick Claxton got the ball yesterday, and they're running a like a delay set, which again, fancy yeah. terminology, basically just means there's a big at the top of the key and two guys on each side, one at each wing, one in each corner. And instead of like turning and scanning to see what his options were, he got the ball from I think it was either Javon or Bruce. He got the ball and he just instantly handed it back, and I was like, yeah. So he <laughs> he's just I don't know if that'll ever come for him, like the the playmaking that it'll obviously improve, but. I, I, Dayron's got that. Like, I think he's got the floor reading. He's got that in him. Mm-hmm. And it's also, but it's also about there's, there isn't always a read to make. And this goes back to Claxton. If you don't, if you haven't created an advantage, yeah. you know, like you need to get into the teeth of the defense a little bit so that there's a kick out to be made, so that there's a dump off to be made, so that you have to force help 
or rotation somewhere. Claxton has never done any of those things, and that could be part of the reason why we don't see him making these reads. Yeah. Sharp doesn't profile as someone who's going to do that right away either. Even though he's a little, he's a lot bulkier, he can really bang. I don't know if he'll bring help, if he'll force help. That'll be something I'm watching more now. I mean, they're really opposite players. If you like, really think about what they bring, they're like the complete opposite, um, which is so kind of so bizarre that they have brought in like a different type of center every time. Um, you know, Clax is the switch center. Uh, Jared Allen is the drop rim runner. And now they have this like funky, what, and, elbow pat? Like, what is he going to be? And, I don't know. And Reggie Perry, who only wants to shoot jump shots. Yes. The, uh, the, hopefully my, I still, my stock for Reggie Perry turning into the next Bobby Portis. It's not looking good right now, but you know what? I'm, I'm believing in him in Toronto. So <laughs> I have no idea why they kept dropping centers, but Hey, I guess they're just taking a flyer different archetypes. Yeah. Um, apparently, um, let's, let's, uh, let's talk about David Duke jr. Who, um, I honestly just didn't get a great feel for yesterday. Uh, the defense was okay. I thought it was fine, but I, I want to hear what you thought about his offense and kind of what he brought on that side of the ball. Um, Duke, it was a lot of the same stuff that we saw in summer league in that in the beginning, it was a lot of, a lot of Chicago, a lot of delay. He's getting the ball in, in like the flow of the offense and is catching it triple threat, making a move towards the basket. Yeah. And then as the game progressed, it was a little more bringing up. It was it was a lot more coming off of screens, trying to get downhill. He's not a jump shooter, mm-hmm. and it, it surprised me how low his like two point percentage was in college because he's got a little bit of shiftiness heading downhill. I think um, he's a little. How do I say this nicely? He's <laughs> he's kind of average at most of his game, which means he's not terrible. He is no like super pronounced weakness. Besides kind of the jump shooting, though, I like his form. So he'll bust out a move because he's got a high ceiling in all these attributes. And you're like, oh, there it is. There's the talent we can capture. Yeah. Well, I don't think he did this last time, but he'll dribble off his foot or he'll totally mess up a read. Yeah, he and is, he'll have tunnel vision here and there. A little bit and calm yourself. So if he can really capture, like, he doesn't have an all-star ceiling, I don't think. But if he can capture like the solid NBA rotational player ceiling he has, especially kind of an off guard who can facilitate, I think there's really something there. He's really shifty. He's really shifty. He is. I like and the just the level of like poise at the rim has stuck out because I was from what I saw and heard just talking to a couple of people um, kind of in the draft. Uh, just when they were when we were kind of going over players after the draft and the summer league, I uh, I just wasn't prepared for that. What do you think? Like in Long Island, I'm assuming that's where he's going to be. What do you think they'll work on the most with him? I think it's got to be the jump shooting. He mm-hmm. he he has a good form. It's a really high release point. I love it. Yeah, his range is just struggling. Like he was his his long balls, his threes would be short often mm-hmm. in summer league. His, his, like, he wouldn't get enough, he wouldn't jump high enough on his shots, honestly. Really? And that, that meant that he was taking a lot of long twos with his, with his heel on the three-point line. Like, like the really bad long twos that we both ate. Right. And he's, he's right there. He can shoot. He has a form, which is better than, than a lot of young players. But he needs to be able to extend his range. And I think that's something that Long Island should be well-equipped to help him with. For, for him, like, I... I almost wonder if it's like a what's the word for it like a, a just a transition of energy as he's shooting that like what what you're you know kind of what you're describing where it's like he's not getting enough out of his legs so he's shooting more with his arms like kind of in that sense I again I'm not a huge shot doctor but that's been something I've been like studying just a little bit so I can understand these things a little bit better this year so I wonder if that's kind of something and I, I bet that's something they can really clean up but i mean if the mechanics are good like we're seeing with bruce a little bit and and hopefully that translate like i i like the mechanics i like bruce's mechanics i like duke's mechanics high releases for the both of them doesn't no noticeable hitch like i just those are the type of guys i think they can really do a lot with um in the g league and i I would also be curious about like the defense for him um thought he thought he got lost a little bit 
Like just, it was like crossovers behind the back. It was like, he just got lost a little bit more. And I just wonder if the speed of the game um, was a little bit, and again, it was like early, who cares? Like it ultimately, this probably really doesn't matter. But I just, I think getting acclimated to the speed and the, the level of quickness and just general smarts that NBA point guards have is going to be like a good, but really tough adjustment for him as a guy who's really profiles as a point of attack guy. He, he for sure does. I can, t- I could tell in summer league, it was kind of a, a point of passion from him a little bit. Yes. He really wanted to clamp. He wanted to slap the floor and get into his man. And I wonder if that made him a little too aggressive in his first preseason game. I could see that. He knew, he knew he would have an extended run because they weren't playing veterans and he, he got a little too ambitious. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, and I like him a lot defensively long-term. Like I, that mentality is good. You know, you can't teach it the other way. You know what I mean? Like you, it's, it's, you want to somebody that you have to be like, all right, just stay grounded, stay focused, stay down on pump fake, stay down on hesitation moves. That's much better than like, Hey, can you like care a little bit about defense? Yeah. Um, let's close yeah, out. Yeah. I'm sorry. He, yeah. He has the frame. He can be a point of attack guy. He needs to ground himself. One we'll of say. the many, they have so many point of attack guys and big, big men and just <laughs> still kind of not a ton of wings. We'll see if it matters this year. Uh, spe- the one wing actually that they kind of have was Seku who, as as the the uh, the internet's most proud French basketball fan, I can only assume you have glowing things to say after his first performance. When Sigu checked in, it marked a new era of French Nets basketball. TLC had been replaced in that moment. TLC has been replaced. It was a not so glorious two years that I <laughs> that I enjoyed as much as I possibly could. I loved TLC as as someone who understands he's not and probably not an nba player um he was so fun to watch (laughs) it was just it was gold every time siku let's let's go to the next siku a lot of a lot of frenetic energy yeah like he's like a he's like a bowling ball kind of like hitting these pins of other players yeah just mucking things up but more often than not against the lakers it ended up with him being right under the rim for a layup or nan one i'm like if it's gonna work then it's gonna work i'm not gonna really knock your game he was he had to do a little bit of three with sharp out there and kaycock and that also worked it, it's not exactly like a super real lakers lineup to profile him against but if he's able to turn these like herky jerky not so much spin moves but kind of hesitation moves and frenetic energy he has going downhill into like not offensive fouls and just high percentage looks at the rim, then I think there's something there for, at the end of Brooklyn's bench for him. Yeah, I mean, it'll come down to him, Carter, and Bembry. I'm probably a bigger fan of Bembry and Carter at the moment. I think Seku has probably earned himself a longer look in one of these other preseason games. Because um, as much as NBA coaches will tell you, you know, whatever they don't want to be they want to be process driven they don't want to be results driven and front offices will say this i've heard i think zach lowe has mentioned this or somebody somebody that knows this stuff so i'm not just like you know talking out of my ass like um i i i think it's really hard to like look at the production that he had even if it's against mac mcclung and what was his name hillbilly what hillbilly hillbilly slim hillbilly right it's reeves i I don't know is it austin reeves i i don't know I that is the most ridiculous nickname. Austin Reeves, I think it is. Hillbilly Kobe. It's, all right. <laughs> I so love great. We need to change that. <laughs> shout out shout out to them for having fun on the preseason on the preseason broadcast. They were. Was, they were I mean, that's what I would have done. But it was like, you know, it was, the, it was him and Mac McClung out there and it was like even if even if that is the situation that Seiko's looking good where it's like you're the only guy with multiple years of NBA experience under your belt. I still think it's kind of hard to look at that and be like, hey, why don't we see what he looks like next to Millsap? Like, why don't we see what he looks like coming off a handoff? Um, and I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of want to see a little more next game. I, there's not much I can glean from that. There's not much I can glean from any of this. But I would, you know, why not? Throw him out there. Because it is, a, you know, probably not a hugely important, maybe not an important spot at all, number 15 on the roster. But why not? It's something we can watch for and something they should have ironed out in a way. I 
whenever I come back to this, I just bang my head that he can't get a, or I'm pretty sure he can't get a two way spot because he was drafted in the, he was drafted 15th, I think. And he's still on his, I mean, on a guaranteed deal. Yeah. I think if you could somehow get him on a two way spot, which you see, I looked it up in the CBA, you can't, he would be worse bat flyer. But if it's a, it's a contending team, if you have to cut him for Bembry, who is more NBA experience and is a little more polished, I can't believe I'm saying that. And Carter, who I think is safe, by the way. I really like Javon Carter. Yeah, yeah, me too. Then I think it's it, it makes sense. It'd be, it'd be an okay call. So you, you would you would cut Seku or you'd cut... No, 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 no. Seku is the best French player to ever grace this planet. We'll be in the starting lineup opening night against the <laughs> Yeah, who who are you? Are you a, are you a Bembry or, or Seku guy? Because it sounds like Carter's safe for you. Let me let me go Seku. Let me give right. you upside. Game one, Seku. These are liable to change, but we'll go with this now. All right, other one, two way spot. We haven't really talked about Kaycock or or Duke Junior. We did talk about Duke. We didn't talk about Kaycock. Um, who who's the two way spot so far? I think you, I think you should give it to Duke. You have you can keep Kaycock on the on the Long Island roster if you really like him that much. Yeah, and he's good by the way. I don't want to oh. discount him at all. Game but, leader in plus minus. Am I correct about that? I am absolutely correct about that. <laughs> and, and 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 listeners of the podcast should know Matt Brooks, big fan of give single game plus love, minus. Love single game plus minus. There's, out. there's nothing. There's nothing. There's no piece of analysis quite like single game plus minus. I love guy. it. I'm printing out T-shirts of the single game plus minus fan club this year. They're going to be available um, on my on my Patreon. So yeah, you have to pay money to go pay me more money. It's a really good idea here. That I've got. Like, there are player islands like like Waiters Island. Yep. I'm on. I'm on single game plus minus island. That's, a, That's where, that I is a be. sad island to be on. I will never. <laughs> Ever, even if I get washed out to sea, I think I'll drown before I go to to wash up on single game plus minus island. <laughs> um, all right, did you like Cake? I kind of liked him. I liked him too. He, I think he, I think he forced a jump ball. He had a three. He had a lob. These are just he was these enjoyable. Are Look, he got me through minutes of a really bad preseason game, and for that, I am thankful for him. All right, last question. I'm going to leave you with. I keep saying that over and over, but this, I want to ask everybody this that I have on until we get into the games. A, do you think the Nets have to play big because of the fact that they have four centers, big men, that are probably starter caliber or at least rotation caliber in Nicholas Claxton, Paul Millsap, Blake Griffin, and LaMarcus Aldridge? And if you do think they'd play double, let's say they play double big for the regular season at least, how would you line that up? I think you know my answer to this. My okay. answer is an emphatic no. Wow. Have to do play double big. And I'm tired of seeing these depth charts with two bigs starting. <laughs> Joe Harris is at the three. Kevin Durant's at the four. Figure out your five. They, the Brooklyn Nets, when healthy, were the best team in the NBA last season, and it was not that close. They should just do what they did last year again because they were the best team, and no one else improved like the Lakers got Russell Westbrook, I'm still not that scared. I don't the Nets love that move. Should, yeah, me neither. <laughs> the Nets, look, try Paul Millsap. I really like Paul Millsap. Lamarcus Aldridge made them look unbeatable last year. Nicholas Claxton has a place in my heart. I think he's even really good. I don't care. Play small again, guys. Yeah. I I want to thing? see more Millsap and and Lamarcus, and if. There's a world where that becomes a starting lineup and you bump Joe to the three off the bench and you have this like James Harden, Patty Mills, Joe Harris bench unit and whatever you can have Clax and I guess Blake playing together. Um, Not huge on all of that. I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out which one of Millsap and Blake I like more with with Harden. I don't know. I really like guys that are very low usage and aren't best used with the ball in their hands next to um next to you know next to Harden. But that isn't the answer isn't Aldridge best with Harden? Aldridge and Claxton? Cuz if if anything you can argue Harden is what makes Claxton a pl- an NBA player on offense. Yeah. 
Well, because without James Harden, he's not an NBA player on offense. Yeah, I mean, but then I I don't know if I like Millsap and Blake together. I don't know. I don't either. I think they're pretty redundant. It's it's like yeah, it's kind of like the Spider Man meme where you just have like the same player, kind of like, you know, I I guess I mean they switch everything, but it's like you have two weak points in a way. Um, and we saw what that looked like last year against the Celtics, where it's like Tatum's like, oh, great, Blake Griffin's on the floor? Sweet, let's run a whatever. I don't care who he's guarding. Please bring that guy over here. So then you have two weak points. Yeah, it's it's two, I don't want to say master of nuns, because they do things well. Yeah. But it's two, it's two guys that aren't profiling. Gap fillers. Like, they're both gap fillers in a way. And there it's like... Go. I would much rather have one of those guys. The problem is I just don't know who I like next to LaMarcus just yet. And I I think there's going to be points where they're going to have to play one of those guys next to LaMarcus. I did not love the sample last year. It was a small one, but I've never, but I was talking to Christian about this. Um, The coaching staff was so quickly out on the Blake Griffin LaMarcus pairing. Like for the most part, they really tinkered with things throughout the year, but they ran like one game of that. And they were like, yeah, we're good. We're never going to do that again. So it's, they lost to the Bulls. That's how bad it was. Oh yeah, they that was the they lost to the Bulls. Man, look at see. This is where I'm happy you're on because I don't remember this stuff. I just remember the the pressers. I don't even remember who they played. Um, yeah, that's not good. But I don't know. That's I, that's my that's my thing. I'm watching because if in your world, if you're playing small, you're are you going eleven men deep in a way? And does that mean that one of Millsap? Lamarcus or Claxton is the 11th man because I don't think you could play three bigs next to Harden on the bench. I think the other thing about this that I haven't seen touched on a lot is that Lamarcus, Blake, and Millsap are all pretty, they're getting up there in age. Yeah. Blake Griffin was not good in the Celtics series, and that's a modern NBA offense with forwards and an agile center in Robert Williams. If Blake Griffin looks like that for the majority of the, of the regular season, he might be the odd man out. If LaMarcus Aldridge can't defend a pick and roll and makes you do – can we curse on this podcast? No. If LaMarcus Aldridge – if Lamar- <laughs> I don't know. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> if LaMarcus Aldridge makes – like, <laughs> he can't be a, fo- a center of attention. Like, it's yeah. only LaMarcus Aldridge. You, can, you can't adjust everything to him. If Nick Claxton just can't hang with NBA veterans, he might have to be the odd man out. Yep. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, I also will, will say, like, health is the thing I'm watching for. Like, Millsap missed time last year. It wasn't a huge stint. Um, but I know he missed some time. I think it was in February last year when I was looking through all these games. Uh, Blake had a really abnormally healthy year. Like, a very healthy year after having a really, really long break of, like, two months after he got bought out. And he's been hurt every year before that at some point. At some point. And it's an 82-game season. And I just, I wonder in that way if when they're building this roster, that's why they were like, let's just, you know, we're going to add Paul Millsap. Maybe it doesn't make sense right away, but it could make sense. And that's also like the argument for Cam Thomas. Like, I I just, I, I will end with this. Like, I really hope they give everybody a decent shot and they don't get so stuck in rotations. And we don't see like KD playing 40 minutes against the Toronto Raptors in a, you know, in the second game in three nights. Like, we don't need to do Nash, that this year. <laughs> Nash, like, Nash, Nash liked that a little bit last year. Like, the, the game against the Cavs, where they're all playing, like, 50 minutes in, like, what was it, February. I'm like, we yeah. just doesn't need to. Yeah, I mean, milk the depth. You know what I mean? Like, make, milk the, make, make the most of it. I, and and it, we'll learn, like, what type of a coach is this? Is this a one of those guys that is just going to play his best players 40 minutes and he's not really going to play the young guys all that much. I don't know what the comp is. It's like, is Doc Rivers, is that a good example? I don't know how many minutes he plays his guys, but I know he Tibbs doesn't up. play young guys. Tibbs, Tibbs sure. Tibbs. So like, could be Tibbs. Like, is he like, I mean, you know, obviously completely different in so many other ways, but in those ways, is he that type of a coach? Because we just don't know that much about him yet. Yeah, you and you'd expect not because like the ethos of this Brooklyn organization for a while has been the opposite of that. It's been very... Um, like performance based and we're going to like measure our guys, but the playoffs roll around and Kevin Durant is playing 48 of 48 minutes. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's fine, but there's just no point in the regular season. That was, that was yeah. one of the biggest gripes that I had was just like, why is this guy playing 40 minutes? 
in a game. It just really doesn't matter that much. All right, um, I'm going to let you get going. I wanted to let you plug away anything that you've got coming out, anything that you're excited about. And yeah, this is your moment. Be vain. Tell everybody what you got going on. I'm going to be super vain. I don't have that much coming out right now. I'm going to be doing Long Island Nets coverage for Nets Daily this year. going to try to go as many games as possible. I'll be nice. doing film studies for for the Brooklyn Nets often too. I'm going to juggle schoolwork in that. And I'm and I should have a few a few preseason pieces coming out somewhat shortly in the next few weeks or so. Terrific. So keep it follow me on Twitter, Alec underscore Sturm S T R M. Thank you very much. Well, this is great. Um I, I'm happy you're doing preseason content because I don't know how much I'm gonna be doing. Pretty cool hey. just doing podcasts, you know? <laughs> Don't know if I really want to do that many filled things. We'll see, though. There's going to be a game where I'm going to want to do something. But thank you again for joining me. Everybody go follow Alec. Uh, Thank you, Alec, for joining me. And make sure you subscribe to the Clear Out podcast on whatever podcast platform you are listening to. And I will talk to you guys next time.